Okay, you have Brian Carpentry here. Thank you for coming to the Immortal Self, where we where we try to we realize that we have an end, and we try to make our, ourselves better. And wouldn't it be nice to have our higher selves conquer our mortal bodies? Um, I have a guest, Daniel McQueen. Is am I saying that right? That's right, man. Cool. And he's going to talk about resilience and perseverance and grit. I'd like to sh hear your story. Thanks, Brian. So the story takes place back in London, England, jolly old. I was having these headaches in 2014 that were getting really bad over the course of a few weeks. I was taking painkillers like them for candy because my head was pounding. Uh, I went to A&E, which is accident and emergency in the UK, twice thinking there was something wrong, and they, they thought it was vertigo, and they sent me home. They told me if the headaches were to continue, I should get them checked at an optometrist. So I was in the middle of an exam, excuse me, when the optometrist, Mr. Patel, he stopped the exam. And he gave me a sealed envelope and told me to go directly to Moorfield Eye Hospital, which I did. Well, first I stopped at home to grab a Jack Reacher book by Lee Child and a few bits and bobs. I figured I'd be in for a bit of a wait. But I didn't open the envelope, as tempting as it may be. Went to Moorfield's Hospital and they ran the same test that escalated me to Charing Cross Hospital. Turns out I had a dangerous buildup of pressure in my brain caused from a cyst that prevented the fluid from my brain drain as it normally would. They need to operate and put a shunt in to drain the fluid from my head. So I emailed my folks in Canada, dropping the old, I'm going to have brain surgery tomorrow, and called my manager and messaged a few friends. Don't think I'll be a Monday, I said. I was on the air flying to London on June 21st, 2014, when my mom was on, when I was on the operating table. Something went wrong and I had a massive bleed in the brain, the brain hemorrhage. I think the cyst burst when they operated. My mom lands and finds I was in critical condition for a few weeks, but was in and out of consciousness for months after that. Things were dicey, touch and go. So when all of a sudden done, I was learning how to walk, talk, and smile again in a foreign country. My mom just having visited and landed there. So it was all quite a lot of excitement in one go. And I've been rebuilding myself ever since. Um, I had relearned how to walk again and to talk again. They didn't think I could talk because I had a tracheotomy put it to help me breathe when I was in a coma. And my voice box was buggered up afterwards. And the nurse looked at or the doctor looked at my chart and he goes, Oh, he's not gonna be a talker again. And without even meeting me, right? Just by just by looking at the chart. And it was a bit I didn't notice at the time, but my folks were quite dejected by this. So I was brought down to a park and, you know, told by the nurse there that these guys across the park, Dan, don't think you can talk. They don't think you're good enough to talk, man. And so I mustered up some courage and some choice words and yelled them across the park and I was a talker again. So Brian needs to say it's been a it's been an uphill battle climbing back from this and rebuilding myself from all this along the road, but it's been a very uh, humbling and enlightening experience for me is there i was thinking about when you said you mustered up the courage is there something 
that you held on to while you were going through this that brought you through it? Like faith, hope, something like that? Yeah, I think hope was hope is a word that gets thrown around a lot these days. And I think hope is something I kind of believe in my soul because it, it, hope for me is like the thought that it will get better. And you have to believe it will get better because, you know, there's that old quote from Churchill. I think when you're going through hell, keep going. And hope was something that kind of kept me alive for this process because I just, I just knew in my heart, like it had to get better. It can't say this difficult and this grueling forever. And, and truly enough, it did. It did break. Mind you, it always gets dark before it's dawn. There was a few other medical issues and setbacks that kind of brought me down to my knees, but it didn't get me, Brian. And I think that that's the thing that I really want to impart on your listeners is just things can get quite dark and quite gloomy and quite bleak. But if you just keep going... You can find a way through the, the you know, the angles, always, the, the opportunity is always going to show itself later on down the road. Mm. But hope something that kind of kept me going with this, Brian, for sure. And I think that that's something that I really think that can do a lot of good for people listening is have some hope and, and some belief in yourself or, or, or whatever have you there. Thank you. Um, so you're a motivational speaker now or? You've been speaking to help people um, get through this, same kind of people or just general? Yeah, thanks, Brian. It's um, a motivational speaker now. And for anyone, the audience is like anyone who's like open to receiving, to being better than yesterday is my, my kind of tagline. Anyone who's open to looking at themselves closer and reexamining what they're doing to like get better and improve. So the odds are you're not going to have a brain hemorrhage, right? That's just like a very small niche portion of people that are going to have a brain hemorrhage. I speak to brain injury survivors, but the talk's geared towards more towards the greater society. You know, you're not going to have a brain hemorrhage, but you're going to have a breakup, a job loss, a diagnosis. Um, so from addiction, you're going to face some sort of knocks and sort of face some setback that's going to knock you. If you don't have a good foundation of how to adjust and rebuild from this, this can destroy you. Like, and that's what I want to kind of offer is my perspective on the world because it'd be a shame to leave these lessons learned on the sidelines of life. And that's why I want to speak now. I want to share my story, my knowledge, my perspective with people just to showcase, you know, it may look bad now. Let me show you ways that I've got back to being better than yesterday. Like little simple hacks, like waking up early, going for a walk, going for a workout, cold showers, meditation. These are all things you can do in your day-to-day -day life to help you improve and get better faster. So I think for me, it's about sharing the knowledge that I've learned through my experience. And that also translates quite well to businesses as well, because I address lots of stuff with, with regard to the retention, culture, resilience helping with the perspective and mind shift about things at work and just you know how bad are things we help you look at things from a different perspective i'm going to share one story with you brian if it's okay of around course. perspective um 
kind of goes to showcase the perspective Shifa can offer organizations and, and people as well. This is me learning to walk in Tooting and Broadway. So for those of you who don't, that don't know, Tooting and Broadway is in South London. It's what they call up and coming, which means it's dodgy as, with the cusp of like, with the hint of like development potential, which means like it's going to be maybe cool in 10 years, but it's been up and coming for 10 years, so you never know. But I was learning to walk in Tooting and Broadway, And I, I worked my way back from a wheelchair to walk in the hallways to a cane and an eye patch. And I was going to walk in Toon Broadway with a cane and an eye patch. It would be great, I thought. It would be great. I turned the corner onto Toon Broadway, immediately bumped into by someone, drives me back. Okay. Someone else brushes past you, cuts you off. Someone been stabbed on the sidewalk down here. So it's a dodgy spot you walk in. I'm like, this is the worst place to walk in the world, man. This place sucks. <laughs> this is not conducive to walking at all. Like, this is ridiculous. And then one day my perspective shifted. This isn't the worst place to learn to walk in the world. This is the best place. If I can walk here, I can walk anywhere. Yeah. And my mood reflected that. So Tuning Broadway didn't change, right? Tuning Broadway still up and coming as far as I know now. But it went from the worst to the best in my mind and my mood reflected that. And now people often ask me, how did you change your perspective on this? How did you shift this perspective from the worst to the best? And I don't know if you're gonna like the answer, but I, I thought my way out of it. You know, when you're in the hospital and you're flat on your back, you can't really move, you're in a wheelchair, you get a lot of time to think. Yeah. And I thought about what makes it so bad and then I wrote down a little bunch of lists that make the worst. And I thought, well, could these actually be the best? You know, it's busy, it's dirty, it's grimy. People bump into you, people crash past you. It's a stressful place to walk. I'm like, well, these are all making it the worst. But what if I just shifted my perspective and this is actually the best? What if I wanted that abrasive nature to train? And when that subtle shift in my head went off, my perspective shifted, I began looking forward to those walks and the challenge that was brought with it. Like, bring it on. If I can walk here, I can walk anywhere. And my mood reflected that. So that's kind of a story that helps show the perspective I've got um, to help me learn to walk again and how it can really help shift your perspective. Now, it can shift your perspective from, like, let's say, customer service rep or customer success representative. You're facing a really horrible client. Let's say they're just the worst part of your day is dealing with bill from insurance. And he's riding your case because like he's having a real tough time and he is so unimpressed with the product or the software that you're dealing with. This is the worst thing in the world he's ever faced with, right? You know, my talk can help shift your perspective, like to know that you're only dealing with Bill in this one interaction. Bill's having a bad day, it's evident by his ticket here. Or his, his email to you about his, his his horrible time with your core organization or company. And you're getting to one little small snapshot of what Bill's life is like. And this is a, this is a vetting point for him where he can spout off and, and release some of that pressure and strain. So be glad you're not Bill because his life's like that the whole time. You're just dealing with Bill in this one snapshot. <laughs> and when you start shifting your perspective about stuff like this, it makes life a lot easier, less heavy to lift. Um, I really, after the brain injury, I have like, uh, I suffer from fatigue, Brian, which is like, just means I, I get a bit tired quicker than I would normally. And 
I have lots of hacks to kind of allow me to address this in a way that takes away the, the frontal combative nature of this. So like things to reduce the strain. When you're able to shift your perspective on stuff like this, it reduces the strain dramatically. I know from experience working in customer service and also customer success, when you get that email from Bill, you know, you, you can be really dejected, really frustrated. But when you think about it in the fact that maybe this isn't the worst, I'm only dealing with Bill in this one interaction here where he's spouting off his frustration on his life. Imagine being Bill. But that perspective shift is something that took a long time to learn and lots of failures to get there. I only got there because I, you know, I worked in tech for nine years. Haven't really seen that go from a restructuring at Hootsuite um, in the summer. But that reframe of how you approach problems in life can serve you very well and help you address things that are much more difficult, not as difficult as maybe they appear to be on surface level. Oh, that's really inspiring. Probably are the most inspiring guest I've had actually from firsthand experience. I'd like to thank you. Um, so when you're depressed, it's hard. And I'm not saying that that's any kind of equal, equal equality to what you went through. It's hard to shift your mindset, but I think you're right on there. Um, you just take the idea that, hey, this guy gave me a bunch of vomit and I don't want to deal with it, but at least I'm not him. You know, um, let's see how we can make his day a little better. Maybe you'll be nicer next time. Yeah, and be fair, Brian, like I've never been depressed, so I can't speak on that perspective, but I have faced a tremendous amount of adversity and hardship and low points in my life and how I've navigated that is really to focus on what I can control and not focus on what I can't control. I'm not being prescriptive here. I'm merely saying an observation from my experience. When I focus on what I control and a lot of that is around exercise. So I think mood follows action. I'm a big believer in mood follows action. So I get up, go for an exercise, go for a walk, go for a swim, go for the gym get into my body, get out of my head and into my body. And I focus on what it is that I can control in my life and only attest to the things I can control. If I can't control it, I don't worry about it because it's wasted bandwidth. There's no point stressing about this in any sort of capacity, right? Now that's may or not may or may not be helpful to you and your listeners, but like it's helped me navigate some pretty gnarly stuff. And I think it could be useful because I'm no better than anyone here. I'm no smarter than anyone here, but I've chosen to go forward and I choose to go forward through this method. And this works for me and it's worked for me and it continues to work for me because I faced, you know, I lost my job this summer and like I was a bit down for a lunch period and then I decided, you know what, I'm going to get a computer at lunch, after lunch, and I'm going to start my speaking career tomorrow. And so after lunch, I went down to the computer store, picked up a new computer, and the next day I was hammering emails and on LinkedIn and hammering stuff and like controlling what I could control, taking action with what I could do and, and to take steps to improve my life off that. I got limited time for 
worried about why me, woes me. It's, it's not fair. You're right. It's not fair. The only problem is, Brian, that no one... Life's not fair. If you're always worried about it, it's not, it's, not your, it's not your fault, but it's your responsibility. So, like, losing my job was not my fault. There was a restructuring at Hootsuite. It's my responsibility to deal with that once that happens. And when you get that in your mind and just, like, instantly reframe that to that stage, it's pretty magical. Because I don't worry about what am I going to do next. I know what I'm going to do next. I'm chasing it down. Now, now I'm chasing down the speaking career, man, which is, like, I don't know, maybe it's a shot in the dark, but, like, I, I think there's something valuable in what I got to say and what I'm trying to speak here and the lessons I've learned. There's some real value here. And Great. I don't want to, I'm not going to settle for a life that I could, couldn't live. My, my, one way I've seen per, described personal hell is, you know, at the end of your life, you, you sit down and you're visited by the ghosts of you, who you could have been around your, your bedside table when you're about to pass. You, say, you know, we, we could have come to you. We came to you. You could have brought us to life. Only you tried to do this. You only tried to be a writer or try to be a, a TV star or a poet or a, a lover or whatever you want to have here. Like you could have been all these things in life, but you didn't bring us to life because you didn't try. I don't ever want my bedside table to be people say I never tried. Mm. I'm going down swinging with this and like, I've decided what hill I want to climb up and like, I'm willing to die on this hill. And it's like, I'm not kind of casually going up this hill. It's like, I'm, I'm going to make it up to the top of this hill. Or I'm not going to make it up at all. And I'm okay with that because I've chosen this hill. This is the one I want to go up. Life's valuable up this hill. Other hills, maybe they're not so valuable. This hill, I want to go up. That sounds dramatic and like maybe super arrogant. No. To say, but like, I'm not going to stop. And like, it's just going to happen. Or, I don't make it up the hill. And in which case, that's fine because at least I've tried. I don't want to hear ever that I didn't try hard enough. That's not going to be something you ever hear about me is I didn't try hard enough. Something. What you said about going up the hill, life's going to be valuable if I go up this hill. That resonated with me, meaning pushing forward through your goals to achieve what you want to achieve. Very valuable to me. Yeah, it's it's um you identify these hills in life and like what was something worth your time and worth fighting for. And it's like when you decide it's worth fighting for and worth doing, then then do it. Or don't even be there. Or or even let it into your consciousness. Just give it either do it or not, you know, right? Well, it's like uh what's that old adage? It's like do or do not. A do or do not, there's no try or something like this. Yeah. That's a Star Wars reference. That's a real dorky reference. I don't really know Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, you know, that. I know that's like a Star Wars reference. I'm like, oh my God. It's yeah. this shit. Damn it. <laughs> do or do not, don't try something like this. Yoda said this, man. You're dropping a Yoda reference on your podcast, Brian. That's embarrassing. That's awesome. <laughs> there's Star Wars has gone strong. <laughs> They're doing, coming out with new episodes every week. <laughs> no, no, but but it's like it's just like I've chosen like a life from this perspective because what's the alternative? Like someone mentioned to me, like how did you stay motivated through this recovery, Dan? It's like, well, how do you not? What's the alternative here, man? They say, well, I guess I had these setbacks. I guess I'm not supposed to be doing this. Like, it's like, 
that's it's like that's awesome. never an option for me. Like I haven't, I don't know, maybe I'm just different than that, but like <laughs> that was never an option for me. So what was that, Brian? Oh yeah. Um yeah, I agree. You can either go up the hill or down a different hill and be like a drunk in a wheelchair or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Or you can face your adversities head on and do what you say. Crack on, man. You crack on. So, yeah, it's, it's uh, all fun stuff now. I'm just trying to figure out how to best break into the space. And I figured, like, I'm just going attacking podcasts right now, trying to get some name recognition and hopefully get some. Uh, What's your website? Or do you have one? Or Yeah, mcqueenden.com. It's a work in progress right now. It's not finished just yet, but it's going to be done over the next couple of weeks. McQueen Dan is across me on socials, on Twitter, on Instagram. Feel free to reach out and reach out to me. I'd be happy to connect. Um, speaking gigs are what I'm trying to do now. So if any of your audience members work for an organization that would be receptive to having a speaker come in, I'm happy to share my story and share some knowledge I've got. I've got a whole bunch of hacks, perspective, and just some fun stuff there. I'll share one, share one hack with you now, Brian, just to share, just kind of showcase what kind of hacks I got, and that's timer on your phone so y'all have these bloody things right everyone's got one of these um and it's pretty close to you most of the time and you gotta make the phone work for you so what i'll do is i'll set an alarm for let's say like 3 30 or 1 20 let's say because it was for today 1 20 and be like um the alarm will say on my middle section of my phone 1 20 podcast interview with brian at 1 30. So I know to look at my notes when the alarm goes off and I'm like, oh, podcast interview, okay, get ready for that. So you'll you'll queue up your day in this way. So you'll do things like reminders or email so-and-so or call so-and-so or pass them this information and set the alarm on your phone so you know that it will go off. Or conversely, you can also set a timer on your phone. So you're going to bed or you want to give yourself like 15 minutes of an audiobook or 15 minutes of like scrolling Instagram or something like this. You set the timer on your phone to remove it once you're done and you switch, turn it off, go from there. But like using the phone to help do the heavy lifting for you, right? One last one I'll share with you, Brian, it's called Icebreakers. And this is born out of walking in, in London. So London's quite a, to be quite busy at times. Like the circuses are just a bloody circus. Oxford Circus, Piccadilly Circus. And when you're walking in, in these areas, you wanna have an icebreaker. And an icebreaker is a fellow pedestrian walking your direction and you slide in behind them and let them break the ice for you. <laughs> so like literally you just let them break the ice like an icebreaker would do an ice, like an ice flow. And you fall in their wake because that, that wake's already been broken, right? So they're dealing with the head on traffic and you follow behind them and you're just dealing with that um, easy pacing there. That's the one last one I'll share with you, Brian, is called um, Betting on the Ponies. So the tube's how you get around in London, right? And um, having a brain injury, like sitting down in the tube is quite a good way to get some rest and recover. So you'd be very diligent with trying to grab seats because when you can sit down, it saves a lot of bandwidth. And Betting on the Ponies is way, my way of describing picking people that you think you're going to get off at certain stations. So you would judge how they're dressed, 
what they've got with them, like a bag. Are they going to work? Are they going to go out for like a social event? And you would bet on the ponies, and that would be people you would bet getting off certain stations so you could grab their seat. So I call this betting on the ponies, and I go on the tube with my friend Manal, and we just, you know, I got two over here. I'm betting on these two getting off here, Manal. And I kind of do like a yeehaw call on the tube. I was super obnoxious. It was pretty fun. But like those little small things like that make the day a lot easier to get through, right? Like you're, you're taking the bandwidth off, you're taking the edge off of your small day because it just makes it more fun, right? The small things add up to a big thing to make your day. Yeah, better. man. It's just like life's life's about finding the good and finding the fun in things. And if you can't do that, then what's the point of doing it? Like my podcast is called Play Loose, Look Tight, Documenting the Process of Life After. Now, play loose, look tight sounds ridiculous. Let me let me fill this out for you here, Brian. So play loose means have fun, joie de vivre, enjoy life, enjoy yourself, play loose. Conversely, you want to look tight. So look put together, be on time, be intentional, be well-dressed, be in shape, be like, be mentally strong, be mentally forward, but look tight. So you want to play loose, but also conversely look tight. And play is a very intentional word because life for me is about playing, about having fun. But enjoying what you're doing because if you're not enjoying what you're doing, people sense that. They know that you're not really there. They know that you're just kind of mailing it in. They can smell it on you. So play loose is a very intentional word there. So that's kind of how I approach all this stuff is having fun, bending on the ponies, icebreakers. Like it's all fun stuff. It's all gamification, right? Right. And I just view life through this gamification lens. Like how can I make this? interesting fun dynamic so i want to improve and do better on it like the worst no no the best like how can you make it better yeah i have an app called habitica habitica it's gamification of my dailies and to do's it's pretty cool nice man i want to say thank you daniel um tell me again how we can find your podcast yeah it's on spotify apple music it's called play loose look tight all separate words so play space loose look tight i guarantee you i'm the only one with that kind of name on spotify so type that into google it'll find me pretty quick the podcast is on a bit of a pause right now as i've just moved back from london cool and i'm trying to get my speaking career going so we'll be going back up in the next few months but it's a bit of a pause right now, and you'll notice a big progression in the podcast, right? Like, I've just got intro music on the podcast now, which is like a big, that was a big thing for me, and that was the last episode. So I'm hoping I get to do improving the podcast and ramping it up, and the quality, the content on the podcast is second to none. The quality of the podcast itself is not what I would call spectacular, but it's improving, as am I. Yeah, we're all 1% improvement. So my doctor was like, she gave me a little uh, bracelet saying, when you look at this, remember how far you've gone and remember just 1% a day improvement, you know, just 1% a day. There you go, I want to say thank you, um, Dan, um, McQueenDan.com, right? Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Is there anything else you'd like to mention 
No, man, I think that's good. Like, look me up on LinkedIn and a few articles I've got that I've posted about like skiing this past winter and tracking down goals and doing habits and pretty much self-help, self-improvement stuff. I'm kind of a self-help junkie. Yeah, me which is, too. You know, there's worse. There's worse things to be a junkie of, to be honest. So, like, I'm not the worst. It's not the worst that I'm not, but like, it is a bit tiresome to always be trying to improve. But it's kind of exciting to know you always can. You can always do things better. And when thinking something isn't your best, you always think, "Oh, I could have done that better." And how can I do it better next time? And incrementally ratcheting up my progress and performance to a point where I'm happy with, and then we'll go from there, man. Great. Well, let me end the recording and stay there so I can say goodbye. And thank you very much for listening, guys. Really appreciate it. And please share and mention this to your friends. Let's see here. New call.